passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, March 14th, 2023. And we are joined today by who many people are calling one of the leading voices among the AEW Freakazoid community, Jesse Collins. Hello. Mark, March 14th. Are we, are we going to be talking some some? Did I say March? So Did I say March? Some, are we going to talk about how many tickets are out for WrestleMania? Are we going to be talking about WrestleMania? Um, St. Patrick's Day Slam. It's May fourteenth. AEW Dynamite. It's May fourteenth. The upfronts are this week, and um, I hope you have your your checkered flags ready at home because we are going to talk about the possible upcoming announcement of an AEW TV deal, um, and and just how right we were. Um, but first, we do have. Um, the NFL schedule came out this past week, and among the top draws in all of the National Football League, it has been confirmed among the four teams only that have six primetime games. The New England, no, the Buffalo Bills are among the top, the top four, along with the Kansas City Chiefs, the Dallas Cowboys, the San Diego Lightning Bolts, and uh, next down with five is the New England, no. No, still not the New England Patriots. They're down in number four. So um, Darth Bill Belichick uh, is in the mud this week or this year, really, all this year as uh, New England Patriots. Not what they once were. Uh, they they used to be better, I guess, for the New England Patriots. Your comments. You know how they uh, they do the schedule in the NFL, right? How do they do? Just they roll dice or what? So if you finish first in your division, you then pl- next season you then play – the other first place teams in your conference that were in other divisions. Um, so if you finish first, that means you basically play other outside of your divisional opponents. So you play twice every year um, and outside of another uh, conferences division, which you also will play every year on a rotating basis. Your games will always be against other top finishing teams the following year, which is why like the bills and chiefs play every year for the last few years because the Bills finish first in the AFC East. The Chiefs finish first in the AFC West. And so it kind of allows the first place teams to get marquee games. So if you finish first in your division, you're much more likely to get primetime games because those games are most likely to be good. Patriots, of course, mm. I believe finished the Did the Patriots not, not finish first? They always I believe they finished third the or fourth though, right? last year. So they're playing. Third or fourth? How many teams are in the AFC uh, East? Four. <laughs> they finished last place? So they have, um, so they're probably not playing many interesting uh, opponents outside of their division. Okay, this season. Okay, um, there there is some solace though if you are a Boston sports fan. Game seven this afternoon. Are you watching it? The Celtics and the Seventy Sixers. This is it was Allen Iverson and Larry Bird one on one. Is that right? 
Um, I actually believe Pigeon Paul Arizon of, uh, is playing for the uh, 76ers. Will Wilt Chamberlain be playing today? Wilt Chamberlain might suit up. He's questionable. With He played for the 76ers before the Lakers, right? Am I getting that right? Yes. Wilt Chamberlain, he starts yes. with the Philadelphia Warriors, which is actually who Paul Arizon okay. played for too. Then the Warriors moved to San Francisco, and he played for the San Francisco Warriors for a while. And then he moved – he got traded back to Philadelphia, who had – the Syracuse Nationals had moved down to Philadelphia to become the Philadelphia 76ers. And then after he played for the 76ers, he played with the Lakers where he finished his career. Will Robert Parrish be in attendance today? Robert Parrish is still playing, so he could – he might be on the court. He might – if Al Horford gets in foul trouble, Robert Parrish might be brought in to guard Joel Embiid. You know what's interesting um, is this game's on at three thirty in the afternoon. I do feel like hmm. maybe this existed before, but I do feel like this is the first year I've noticed other sports harnessing the power of the Sunday afternoon block. Um, that the NFL obviously has dominated, and once the NFL season is over, I've seen other. We've seen some other sports snap into that position. Like um, I think that the women's college basketball national championship game, which. I think previously would take place like on a weekday night or maybe a Sunday night. It took place at like Sunday at three thirty. The NBA has put their marquee playoff games like they only have one game um, today. This is their only game seven uh, for uh, this round of the playoffs, and they could have easily put this game on in prime time Sunday night, but instead they're electing to put it on at three thirty in the afternoon. And we've seen the NBA get some record ratings your highest ratings they've had in years with these 330 um eastern time sunday should days. wrestling should should AW collision air on sunday afternoon i think i mean i'm i'm just i think that's like a real like possibility i think it's a time people are around they're with their families um but then to be going head to head with the jaguars yeah that's like the problem is that the nfl can't have the that. nfl season you're getting absolutely annihilated because everyone's watching NFL. I think the reason Sunday time slot is such a good sports watching time slot is because the NFL has conditioned people to watch sports on Sunday. In the NBA, immediately when the NFL season is over, the NBA starts running games on ABC on Sunday afternoons because they know that there's an audience out there. Um, NASCAR season starts right after the Super Bowl for probably similar reasons. They All their races take place on Sunday afternoon for the most part, and they that's where they do their best ratings as well. So it is... I'll be interested in seeing what um, that Wembley Stadium show, what it runs on, if it's on Max, if it's on pay-per-view, if it's on TNT or TBS, and because that should be taking place on a Sunday afternoon. That is a Sunday. Right. 27th is a Sunday. And it will be probably starting about like 1 o'clock, I would think, maybe 2 Eastern time. So it will be interesting to kind of see how – because I do think that's a good time for, for watching something. Yeah, like eight o'clock in the UK is like three in in US Eastern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> and I'm just realizing the Lakers have eliminated the Warriors. The Nuggets with Dikembe Mutombo have eliminated the Suns with um, Charles Barkley. Right. Uh, I I have an advanced past NBA Jam, uh, and the Heat have are going on to face the winner of this series Correct. between the Celtics and, and the Seventy Sixers. Okay. So we'll keep you updated with the ratings there. Uh, if you want to participate today with a super chat, you are welcome to. We will respond to your question or comment. So <clears throat> coming up this week, it's uh, you know they they talk about how WrestleMania is a big deal. Double or Nothing is a show that's coming up later on this month. That's all really 
small potatoes compared to this week in New York City. The upfronts for Fox, for NBC Universal, for Warner Brothers Discovery. That's all coming up. Um, and we have some reports here. The Observer broke it, I think, on was it Thursday? When did you start DMing me about all, all these these wicked rumors, Jesse? Was that Thursday? Or was that Friday? Or no, it was that no, Wednesday even. It was That was Wednesday. I think, I think it was Wednesday, yeah. Yeah. Um Fightful also had a report, uh Fightful reporting that those they've spoken to say that collision on WBD in prime time, in prime time, so not at six, that reads to me like at eight, presumably, uh is part of a new cash infusion for AEW and an extension of the partnership between the two sides. WBD sources have long said nice things about AEW and the deal is planned for an announcement at the Warner Upfronts, which is this coming Wednesday. There was a lot of discussion and rumors both online and within WBD and AEW about the deal being a billion dollar deal over a few years. Um, and that that could be true if all the deals are extrapolated, uh, whatever that means. However, WBD sources had indicated that Collision was the the planned upcoming announcement as opposed to an all-encompassing deal involving Dynamite, uh, AW, and WBD sources have not confirmed a dollar figure. Uh, there are already several Saturday dates set to film AW Collision, but Fightful was told that when necessary, the company may book a venue two straight days and film on Thursdays. Uh, so, a billion-dollar deal. Some of the scuttlebutt going around is five years, $1 billion, and by my math... One billion divided by five is two hundred million, and AEW's current deal is forty-four million dollars. We know that because Tony has tweeted one hundred seventy-five million over four years. That comes out to forty-three point seven five million dollars per year. Uh, two hundred million dollars per year would represent almost a five times increase in their current valuation. Um, we did a podcast. On this podcast, over a year ago, going through sort of the the way that we could take the number of hours that AEW and WWE, for that matter, are delivering weekly, look at what their viewership is, sort of think of it as their ratings adjusted for time, adjusted for the weekly hours that they deliver. And I compared that to like NHL ratings and things like that. Anyway, we came out with a, a rough estimate of a 1.5x increase for WWE that would put them at, at over $700 million a year. I feel a little bit more bullish about WWE since then. And a 4x increase for AEW that would put them at about $175 million. Wasn't considering that there might be a new TV show and that this AEW Collision show is probably not going to be one hour. I believe it's going to be more like two hours. So that that's adding a lot of content on top of Dynamite and Rampage. Now, saying that, AEW at that time a year ago was doing better ratings than it's doing now. Rampage was, was already pretty much doing what it's doing now. But Dynamite was doing a little bit better. You still had CM Punk at that time. Uh, it wasn't quite June yet where he had his injury. And then September when he had his big injury and anyone on his rant at the press conference. Um, but piling on a lot more content, a lot more tonnage that helps justify a bigger deal. Um, and what else do we have here? That's the, the formulation. If you're watching in video, uh, where I got to like, I was saying three X to five X. Um, I think that drove some people crazy that, that the notion that AEW and the stingy David Zasloff and the stingy Gunnar Weidenfelds could possibly give AEW such an upgrade. Um, it looks like it's going to happen, though. Uh, 
we'll see on Wednesday. We'll see if it actually gets reported, just what the, the terms of the deal are. Usually these things get reported when we're talking about a deal that, that would be of this size. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, and that would put, you know, that would put AEW on the level of the WBD NHL deal, which is an all linear deal. Um, of course, the NHL has an ESPN deal. On top of that, that's like twice the size, $400 million a year. So it's not like AEW would be equal value in terms of media to the NHL in the United States. No. That would not plus, be the case. Plus the NHL also um, has RSN deals. Right. Um, for now, anyway. <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, and, 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 and I expect WB for SmackDown and for Raw to get a pretty strong upgrade too. You know, 1.5 seems like the base case. Uh, if I were betting, I would say maybe 1.7, 1.8. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility at all for them to get a doubling of their deals. We'll see what happens, though. Um, so WB will still be in this scenario, would still be greatly more valued than AEW. Um, and even when adjusting for the viewership that they get, even when adjusting for the number of hours of content that they deliver – on a weekly basis, WWE would still be compensated at a higher rate than AEW. So it's not like you can't say that AEW would ever be compensated like WWE because WWE is such a, a much more established household name brand. No, they would still be, WWE would still be much more highly compensated at even adjusting for the ratings that they deliver, even adjusting for the more, I think it will still be more hours of content, right? If we're, if we're talk, just talking the core main roster programs, five hours between SmackDown and Raw, and we'd be up to no. I think we'd be up to it would be equal at that point, wouldn't plus, it? Plus two hours of dynamite, two hours, two hours of collision, one hour of rampage. Plus WWE has such wrestlers. Regular. There's two pictures of me on the screen right now. I apologize yeah. for that. Plus um, WWE has access to such star powers on a right stars on a regular basis, such as Ronda Rousey, John Cena, The Rock, Steve Austin, Dominic, Dom, Dominic. What's yes. Dom's quarter hours? Really, yeah. Do we know if he's a draw yet? Look, look for some more quarter hour reports coming soon to the WrestleHawks Patreon. We will review those certainly in detail with the finest analysis. Um, yes, go on. No, I just, I mean, let me ask you this to go back a little bit to something you mentioned a couple of minutes ago um, when you were talking about your, your May 1st, 2022 um, projections. And Dynamite ratings are down from that point last year. Do you think that has a really big impact on television rights or do you think the negotiations are relatively the same given the decline in cable um and that while dynamite has slipped from where they were last year um do you really think that's like that big of a factor or do you think they're looking at where they're placing in cable each each week um i think the rating i think the ranking is what matters a lot more mm -hmm. and luckily i had this slide ready so this this looks at this is like looking at all the showbiz data and including broadcasts in it too which you could argue whether that's completely relevant or not, but there's usually a similar number of broadcast programs that are happening in any, any given day. And the ranking is a little bit weaker for Dynamite. So we, if we're looking at Q2, which we're currently in, we're about halfway through Q2. And we look at Q2 of last year, they were doing a median rank of number 10. And I think because we're dealing with Showbiz data here, Showbiz started to include Telemundo and Univision around June of last year. So, so that's sort of padding the numbers in present times. In any case, um, it is weaker and the ratings are weaker. Um, it's not that bad though. Uh, they're still doing fairly well, um, among programming generally on Wednesday when the NBA playoffs are out of the way, 
they'll they'll rank more highly than usual. I was surprised at how well the the dynamite rating held up this past Wednesday, given the um, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, the CNN Trump Town Hall uh, still doing what was it? Yeah, three zero. I was going to bring that up briefly for this week's rating. Um, I guess it's nice to see that AW can present a, a big match on an episode of Dynamite and have that really make a difference in the rating. I think sometimes, sometimes with w, with WWE as well, you think that like attracting a, an audience or popping a rating is kind of out of their control. Unless there's like, if you're WWE, it's like you do the draft or you do a nostalgia show or something like that. And with Dynamite, it's really like, sometimes I feel like Dynamite just sometimes shows that are, don't seem that loaded will do a good rating. And sometimes shows that do seem loaded will do a disappointing rating. And I think the fact that they gave away what would be considered a very big match um, for free on TV. Um, and it did, this was a pay-per-view show. Someone was tweeting this multiple times in, in the days leading up to this show. Who was that person that was tweeting that, Brandon? Um, somebody in, in the internet wrestling community that's very active and very online on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, um, t- Tony, Tony Khan. Tony Khan is his name, I think. Yes. Um, yes. But uh, it's nice to, I guess, see that make a difference that like Kenny Omega and John Moxley in a cage match means something to people. Yeah. Um, Have you seen the quarter hours? I did see the quarter hours, and you can obviously see that very, very unusual trend. Yeah, but Go you ahead. can see oh, that the main it. event um, helped boost the quarter hours, and even in like the um, the segments kind of leading up to the main event, you could see some growth as as people were probably yeah. flipping over and getting ready to see when that match was actually going to start. From whatever else they were watching, usually, usually Dynamite starts out pretty high, probably inheriting a lot of viewers from Big Bang Theory, and just mostly declines mm-hmm. quarter to quarter throughout the rest of the, the two hours. Usually, you'll see a little. Um, pick up in, in the main event. Yeah. Not that, not a huge bump, but you're right. And they, they started much lower than they normally do from the lead in. Right. 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 And that That's speaks true. to the competition um, that was on television. Um, now the really big NBA game, which would have been the Lakers and Warriors game that right. is, that did not start till after 10 PM. So it does not directly interfere true. with, they were going against the Celtics and Sixers though. Right. Um, no, they played on. No, yes, they were. No. They were going against another NBA game. Where, where I'm trying to remember. I thought the Celtics and Sixers played on Thursday. Um, they were going against the, the Leafs game, which is less. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, the, I the think they were going against the, not Knicks doing and the Heat the ratings that game. That's okay. Yeah. You're probably right about that. They were going against another NBA playoff game is what I was trying to get at, I guess. Yes, you're right. The, the Heat and the Knicks, which is a 1.49 and, and 4.4 million viewers. Um, the first two-thirds or three-quarters of the show was going against Trump on, on CNN. Um, but to answer the question, I guess, you know, the Dynamite's carrying the bulk of the value here. Um, Dynamite being pretty highly ranked on Wednesday still still can, you know contributes a lot of value to, to AEW. And I would say if you look at, look at what NXT is doing, and I think NXT is a lot less valuable than any of these other than, than any of the, the other three programs. Um, I don't think Rampage is super valuable, but you know, NXT is not on the level of SmackDown and Raw, obviously. Uh, it does a fraction of the viewership of SmackDown or Raw. Um, and it doesn't rank that highly, even though NXT ratings have improved over the last year, along with the rest of W ratings. Um, it's still, if you look at this rank here, we're in the 30s here for the last three quarters for NXT. And, you know, Rampage is not much better. Uh, it's doing, we've only got, I think, we've got very few non-preemption data points that are being included in this table for Q2 in, in Rampage's case, which is not going to change anytime soon. Um, 
But if you look before Q2, you know, they're in the 40s and the 30s. And before that, they are in the 20s. But anyway, they're, they're, they're below the top 20, right? Mm-hmm. NXT is below the top 20. And I think if we're including broadcast in this, you know, the top 20, the top 15, certainly the top 10, I think we're, you're looking at a lot of value. And Raw and SmackDown are almost always in the top 10. SmackDown basically always in the top five. Um, most weeks, number one. Many weeks, I would say. Let's say, let's be be careful. Many weeks, number one, uh, SmackDown is in the demo. Um, so I think that's you know that's an, enough to Dynamite's ranking and where it's performing is enough to make it quite valuable. And when when you stack a lot of tonnage and content on top of it, like Collision, and perhaps we'll learn on Wednesday as well some sort of AEW content on Max, whether that's all in and maybe other a few live events per year happening on max on streaming. And maybe there's some sort of library or next day rights that are happening on max as well. And that's all of this is additional justification for compensation. There is, um, we know that there's pretty wide disagreement across the wrestling community on what is considered like a good rating for dynamite. And what is considered a bad rating dynamite is dynamite doing good in the ratings. Is dynamite doing bad in, in the ratings. Is Warner Brothers Discovery happy with what numbers Dynamite is doing? I mean, I mean, if, it, if if it's not you know comparable to the Monday Night Wars, that's that could be a failure. Yeah, could be perceived as a failure. Um, so, right, I, I don't want to say that. There's, I, I'm I'm trying to be diplomatic and saying there's disagreements when I think some people know more about what is a good rating than others. But just in general, do you think we're gonna see like what would you toss out? I guess. And I don't even know if you could do this accurately at all. But what would you toss out as like a successful deal for 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 this upcoming announcement like is there a number that you think that if dynamite hits we can consider it a success um or when i say dynamite like a money i mean all of aw yeah like because right okay so this billion number is being tossed around right the rumor is the billion number right if they don't do a billion if the new deal is not a billion let's say it's five years in 825 million dollars could, will people will will assuredly some people will say oh what a disappointment because that billion number has now been tossed out but would you consider that number a disappointment is there a a, a per, maybe a per year number that you would say like if AEW hits it we can consider it a success within our analyst community I think the question is how much does it cost to run AEW as as a viable business that's got a modicum of profit to it. Um, but that's not where they are right now. I'm, I'm confident that AEW is losing a significant amount of money every year. Right. Um, they may have been more more profitable or closer to profitable in 2020 when, when there was the pandemic and taping was cheaper. But now that's not the case, obviously. Um, and when you're stacking an, another day of touring that they're going to do per week, that's going to increase expense even more. So the question is, how much money do they need to, to, to run profitably? And I think they made in 2022 around $100 million in revenue or so. I think they still probably lost a lot of money. So it's, it's hard for me to estimate what the expense is. I would, I would guess several hundred millions of dollars is what you need to run a profitable business. If they get a billion-dollar deal for over five years, that comes out to 200 And then you're probably just about there. That's just the U.S. deal, which would be 200 in, in that math add on to it their international deals their pay-per-view business their live event ticket sales and all that um 
which I don't I don't know. I haven't done a spreadsheet on. It could get them to like three hundred million dollars a year or something like that in revenue. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know. I think they need a lot to run profitably and sustainably, uh, and I think that's what this entire AEW business plan is based on. It's not based on getting a forty-four million dollar a year deal and some other supplemental revenue. It's based on getting this huge deal. This is this is the Super Bowl for AEW. This is like if they don't get a great deal, what's a great deal? But if they don't get a great deal, then the whole the whole business experiment was a failure. If they don't become profitable, and what does that mean? I don't know. 100 150 million dollars a year something like that i would think right we're looking at AEW as a vanity project for tony khan who's very wealthy and is willing to spend his own money to become be a wrestling booker and present a wrestling product that a large segment of fans do enjoy um but the idea is like you said that a a a non-ww wrestling company um could run at what we would consider a major league level in the united states and be profitable. And that's not something that only Vince McMahon can do, which has been the message that has been sent out um, since WCW closed, that Vince McMahon is the only person that can run pro wrestling and make it a success. Um, in yeah. And include, you, you have your impacts where Anthem, its parent, is, is willing to absorb whatever costs to, to have the programming. Yeah, we actually have a super chat related to that. Okay. Uh I do not have that authority. Uh, but. Is this one? Yeah. No, this is from, from Danny who says, no one seems to know how Impact Wrestling makes money. What would be your best guess? Also, how long do you think that is sustainable for Impact specifically? Um, I think it's fairly cheap because they're taping a lot of episodes in one one sitting still, right? Um, how how do they make money? <laughs> they they probably get, you know, s- some budget from Anthem Sports and Entertainment. Um and I think it's sustainable as long as Anthem thinks it's worth it to have the, the, the programming. Um, right. It's, it's their, but their value is based on them providing programming to Anthem, specifically access TV. Um, whether or not it's profitable is kind of, it's, it's, it has a totally different business model than like AWWE, which are trying to get paid by these networks for their content and will bid them against each other. This is a division of Anthem. Um, how long do you think that is sustainable? I mean, people have been asking that question about TNA and Impact for over 20 years, and it's still going. So yes, uh, so forever, forever is my guess. It's, it's, it, it wouldn't seem like it would be sustainable forever, but evidence has suggested that it somehow is, as long as they continue to find people that want to spend money on it. And then as long as they're not touring, they're not spending it, the, the kind of money that AEW or certainly WWE is um, because the, the media expense becomes really huge at that point. Um, so I think that is that everything that I wanted to say here? Well, I, I guess we could say this. You know, there's uh, is David Zasloff, is Kathleen Finch, these are the executives at, at WBD who oversee um, AEW programming ultimately. Um, is he the second? Are, are they, are they, is David Zasloff or Kathleen Finch, are they the, the second coming of Jamie Kellner? As we all know from our history, that Jamie Kellner, who killed WCW, it was 
the executive, Jamie Kellner, who took over, uh, what is he, he took over Time Warner after the AOL merger or something like that. And he, legend has it, he decided that he didn't, he didn't see wrestling as part of the vision for the network going forward in 2001. And he decided to not renew, um, WCW. He's the only person responsible too. There was no one else who could have possibly had any hand in WCW being canceled. Only Jamie Kellner. Well, I'm not going to blame anybody else. Are you? I think you know WCW was a, a money-making machine for 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 AOL Time Warner. Their ratings were were set. They were doing record ratings in 2001. I'm sure when Jamie Kellner uh, killed them, uh, it was totally unfair and. There was no other reason for it. It wasn't because the company was doing record low ratings and was a complete embarrassment to pro wrestling and, and broader entertainment. And the, the, the difference is in 2001, even with those diminished ratings, and, and uh, for those of us who can remember the times of uh, the late 90s and, to, and 2000s and how the, the course of the wrestling war really changed and WF took over WCW in the ratings and WCW's creative was in constant disarray. Um, you know, it, it was doing much lower ratings than it had done at a previous point, but that was in an environment where cable TV was mostly supported by ad sales. And as we know, wrestling, at least at that time, and maybe somewhat true today, does not do great ad rates. Um, since that time, Live programming that includes wrestling has become the big value for cable TV. And in addition to that, cable networks no longer get, at least cable networks that have sports on them, no longer get the majority of their revenue from ad sales. Let's say that again. Cable networks no longer get the majority of their revenue from ad sales. They get their money more so from the cable systems because they charge you perhaps the cable customer, a lot of money to have all those networks on your cable system. So the economics of, of TV really changed from this time to that time. Um, and WWE raw might have some covenants that are tied to raw contributing to live sports. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh SmackDown will have that in its new deal. Um, maybe AEW will help contribute to the promises of, of live content that WBD will make to various cable satellite distributors uh, when they renew all of those deals. So the economics of the media business have really changed. And Which is while it may have made sense, while it may have made sense for Jamie Kellner to say, hey, look, this, this doesn't do great ad rates. We could have totally different content here on, on TNT and TBS, and we could have a better business this way. That may have made sense in 2001. An executive in a similar situation in 2023, that makes a lot less sense because it's live content in an environment where live content is really important in a way that it wasn't that important in 2001. Which is why all the comparisons to the you know WCW and the, the TV landscape of 2001 just have no real bearing on what television exists in, in 2023. Um, I think a lot of people have PTSD from WCW going away and that has led to a lot of um, unnecessary fears about AEW going away. Um, and I think that... But it's on the same networks. <laughs> right. And I think that... Um, and Tony Schiavone is the commentator. Some people fancy themselves big students of history and they like to point, well, you got to look at what happened in the past. Look what happened in the past. You, you, you got to learn from history. If you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it without accepting the caveat that the entire point of AEW is... On a, based on a business model that just didn't exist during WCW's prime. 
Yes. Um, David Zasloff is coming to Boston. Uh, is he? Uh, right after the um, – he's coming next weekend. He's going to be the speaker at Boston University's commencement ceremony. And there has been a lot of controversy in the print news media in the Boston area about David Zasloff speaking during uh, BU's commencement speech. Will there be protests? But yes, there are because – from WWE fans or no, what is no, this? they're from people who are upset. They are supporting the uh, the Writers Guild of America. They're and they are upset that the university would be bringing in a corporate, um, you know, television entertainment executive, who of course is on the the bad side of the WGA strike for for students. Um, yes, and there's um, been several articles. Russell Lamps contributor. Russell Lamps contributor briefly. Russell Lamps contributor Chris Ely was telling me, who lives in the LA area, he was telling me that traffic was backed up in LA the other day, earlier this week, I believe, because there were protests happening because David Zaslav was in the area for some reason, and or maybe the offices, the p- people were protesting and, and it was causing traffic problems. Yes, but I was I was reading that in the Globe um, last week. The students uh, are not happy that David Zaslav is speaking up. But will you be covering it? Will I be covering it? No, I was thinking yes. like. Could I? What if I? What if I? How story. could I corner David Zaslav and ask him about the dynamite? Uh, what's yeah. Dave? What, what are you doing with AEW? Are you going to extend them? Try to get? Do you, do you think it's too violent? Look, why? Why are you renewing it um, here? A um, lot of blood and guts here. Uh, don't don't forget about the Nick Cage pizza controversy. Come on, now. he's coming after the uh, the fronts. So I don't know how much I can okay. get out of. I will not be covering BU's graduation. I, I might have somebody at the BU graduation because. A big thing is that there are BU's interns working at every news publication in the greater Boston area. Um, so I could probably get somebody who could give me some inside scoop. But um, that that's that's something that's happening locally. Uh, and I guess I, I, I didn't know he was also being protested in L.A. I guess he's – I don't know. Is he a particularly outspoken uh, person against the, the WGA strike? Uh, what's so he's, unique? He's a CEO I know, of but one what's of these so unique company, about him? media companies that – um, He's a CEO of, of one of the biggest media companies who are opposing the right. Writers, so is this right? something all all the CEOs that you know uh, Bob Iger is being confronted with this? Uh, yes, um, maybe Bob Backish yeah. and no, Jeff Shell's out of the picture, I guess. But Brian Roberts, um, yeah, not Jeff Shell anymore. Yes. Um, yes. The other thing I want to bring up um, is if. Uh, if David Zasloff is Jamie Kellner, we probably wouldn't be getting this announcement. What do you mean? If David Zasloff and the new leadership at Warner Bros. Discovery was not a fan of, of AEW and was going to kill it like Jamie Kellner killed WCW, we probably wouldn't be getting an announcement about AEW's future on Warner Bros. Discovery uh, in May as part of the, as part of the upfronts. I, I think one thing we can say is that David Zasloff and Kathleen Finch, for that matter, both came from Discovery. They did not come from Warner Media, and Warner Media was the company that had TNT and TBS, which are the networks that had the live sports. So Zaslav and Finch don't come from networks, at least recently, that had live sports. The Discovery networks didn't have any live sports, at least not in the U.S. Right? Like I'm not missing anything I don't think here. So. Right? It's it's things like Food Network. And TLC reality TV show, uh, yeah, um, HGTV, yes, TLC, the History Channel, things like that. Um, so there, w- there was a question about whether or not they would, and to what extent they would embrace, and there still is. I mean, NBA still got to do their deal, and who knows how much or or if they're going to keep the NBA. But there's a question around how much they would see live sports as an important part of 
of the networks like TNT and TBS that currently really rely on live sports. Um, and those, again, live sports are what drive these carriage fees, um, which is why your cable is so expensive. Um, so they seem, if, if speculations are true that this is going to be a big upgrade for AEW, um, that's some hint that they see some value in live content, even though you could debate about whether or not or to what extent AEW is really live sports. Um, and it's a, it's a far cry in terms of the value that the NBA will be uh, when they try, probably try to, to double or triple their current TV values. That's an enormously greater uh, average annual value of like over a billion currently. I'm not looking right now, but um, it's a huge – it's the second biggest TV deal in sports. So we'll see how – they handle that and how much NBA content they want to hold on to. And the RSNs will come into play there perhaps because there'll be maybe be more uh, games on the table. There will probably be other players, including NBC and maybe Amazon and maybe others who will be interested in that content as well. So that's that. I guess if, if AEW gets a good deal, that's probably positive news for WWE because it tells you that there's at least a healthy market for live content. More specifically, there's a healthy market for wrestling content. Um, and that, if, if nothing else, it's just a good signal for WWE's ability to, to negotiate a favorable increase for Raw and SmackDown, which is coming up. Um, my leaning is towards expecting WWE and AEW or uh, Raw and SmackDown to stay with the incumbents. I know we've earlier predicted, or I've earlier predicted that maybe SmackDown will go with Amazon, but I'm, I'm less bullish about the value in the, of, of the reach of Amazon and just how important the reach is to, I, I think the reach for, for Fox that Fox provides for SmackDown is, is really strong. And I think it's, it's a good position that they're in, in terms of they're not leaving Peacock anytime soon They'll probably stay with Peacock or, you know, if, if they leave Peacock, that content will go to some other streaming platform, like maybe ESPN plus after the merger or something like that. So I think it's, and Nikon has talked about it this way for them to be on cable with raw, to be on broadcast with Fox, on streaming with Peacock, it gives them really the maximum reach into everyone's homes. Do you believe that, right, if there's a, if there's a line for AEW's budget where this is what we need to make each year to be profitable, like you suggested, do you believe that, like, logically, like, why would Tony Khan or AEW sign a deal in May, um, perhaps as far as 18 months before their contract expires? Uh, depending on when their option, uh, if the option was picked up or not, um, for a deal that would yeah. make them not profitable, you, you're 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 uh, presenting it as why why would they accept it if it wasn't something that was going to make them profitable? Yes, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. no, I, I I think so. I mean, I think there's something to the notion that AW because it's a newer, more nascent, less proven brand has less leverage than say AWWE right. does to go and we'll play the open market. Um, so that gives AEW less leverage and, and less ability to trust that it's going to be able to get a bit better deal in the alternative and maybe more likely to just sort of acquiesce and try to be the best partner to their incumbent. Especially, um, and I think there's, uh, especially, and I think there's a good chance that, that WBD owns a piece of AEW. So they're very much aligned in their business interests. Wouldn't you want this thing to be profitable if you have a piece of it? Uh, well, if it's profitable because you're paying for for it. Uh, yes. <laughs> so yeah, we'll make it profitable. We'll just take some of our money from here and, and pay pay over there and pay it over there. Um, but right, that's that would be my question, which is like, if this was 
um, you know, really the end of the negotiating window and they had maybe sniffed out other options and we're getting an announcement now. The fact that we're getting this announcement so far in advance of, I think, when we really expected to get this announcement. Like if I asked you at the beginning of the year, Brandon, do you think we would get the AEW um, next contract announcement in May? You'd probably say no, right? I, I'm not – no. I think I would have said because the previous rounds of WWE ha- – WWE usually happens around this time relative to when WWE expires. Mm-hmm. And WWE expires only about three months earlier than AEW expires. So this is a little early, but only by a few months. This isn't way early. Right. And and the, the timing of the upfront kind of makes it like, all right, yeah. I mean, you, you got to get this message out to, to advertisers. Do you think we're going to get this announcement – during the upfronts, do you think we'll get a press release? Neither scheduling before things at all too. The upfronts. I don't know. I think at the upfronts. I mean, what happened with with Dynamite? I don't know. If, I don't. Know, I barely remember. I don't know if you remember better. Dynamite was it was an upfront announcement, and it's and I think Rampage was an an upfront announcement too. So whatever happened with those, it may be similar. I imagine during in the middle of the day, uh, maybe there's a press release and there's. A revelation at the at the upfront presentation itself. Do you think we'll and get like a, we'll get a, a wrestler making a, an appearance at the upfronts? They're gonna they're gonna play someone's music. I would expect there to be AW presence at at the upfronts as there had been in the past when you know there, there's this picture of you know the find when, when I Google images of like Tony Khan and and the Bucks and Kenny Omega and Cody and Britt Baker all all standing around arm in arm. I've heard that uh, I think it was on. I think someone mentioned it was on the Cheap Heat podcast that like someone suggested that Bill Goldberg is going to come out in the middle of the upfronts. They're going to play his music and he's going to he's going to come out and all the people are going to be really impressed by seeing him because he's going to be uh, signing with AEW. As yeah, the, the executives are probably pushed for that. I mean, if you if you want to have a big start, you got to have Bill Goldberg like back in the day with WCW. No, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, no, I, th- I think it, there's a good chance there will be AEW if this is this deal is going to be announced. Why wouldn't AEW people be there? Where where's so, yeah, where's Dynamite on Wednesday? Do we know? It's in Austin, Texas, I think. Um, that's a good question. Which is not going to be it's close Austin, to Texas. where the upfronts are, which I'm assuming are either in New York that's or LA. Um, okay, maybe just CM Punk will be there. He might be if he's part of the if he's he's right. appears to be a key player in this deal and certainly seems to be right. from what we know is going to be the face of AEW Collision, which I'm sure is part of this new announcement. So um, I suppose there's no reason why he couldn't be there. Does this help CM Punk? He doesn't have to be an awesome. CM Punk is responsible partially or, or or responsible for it. Well, let's just say in general, let's say that they get a billion dollar deal. Mm-hmm. Does this help the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame case for the key players associated with AEW? Yes. Absolutely. I mean, the key players, yes. Punk in particular, absolutely. Mm-hmm. John Moxley. If, and, and I believe, sure. I, I think that there were probably conversations, just because I see it in the analysis of ratings. I mean, look, Dynamite's down year over year. Something like 20%, 15% at least. Why is that? Mm-hmm. I think we would agree. Many factors, perhaps, but biggest factor, CM Punk's not, not around. Yes, you're right. So it's easy to, 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 to make a plan and be like, well, why isn't CM Punk around? <laughs> yeah, well, there's this whole thing and then the, the seltzers and the cupcakes and whatnot. And, well, well, what does it take to bring him back? Well, what if you had a show that he, he could be sep- separated into his own own, uh, own section here? It's like you have two teams or something like that. And uh, that's part of a justification for a much better TV Should show. Tony Khan oh, be God, on the yeah. ballot this year if they do – Get a sizable new contract. 
I don't know. Uh, I, I, I guess you could put them on there. That's we're, we're getting into the territory of like, I don't want to vote for people who have, don't you have to have 15 years in the business though? Isn't that also a for wrestler? Yes. For, for, wrestler, for wrestlers. Are you sure it's not for everybody? Um, I don't know. It might not even be a consistent thing for Dave, but it would be. Like I know Gato's in, but Gato's older, and right, Gato's, Gato's got thirty years, years, thirty years in the business. So what? Um, yeah. Yeah. The uh, uh, yeah. So I, it would probably be the fastest anyone has has been inducted. Although, when did Paul Heyman get inducted? Was Paul Heyman in the business fifteen years when he got inducted? I feel like he was inducted in the early two thousands, and maybe he'd been around the business for fifteen years at that point. But was he in the original? 96 no, class? no, no, no. I don't know. I don't. I, I would be very surprised if he was inducted in '96. Go, I'm going to the uh, the official record of the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, which is at Wikipedia.org. He was inducted in 2005. So at that point, I mean, when did Hammond start? He had been a he had been a manager um, pre 1980s. Was he inducted as a? I believe he's in twice. He's in as both a a booker. Um, and a prom- actually, I think he's in as a booker and a promoter. He's not in as a manager. He's, he's listed here as pr- promoting. Yeah. So 2005. So certainly, I mean, if if you roll back 15 years, that's nice. No. But I mean, who? What individual has had a bigger impact on pro wrestling in the last 10 years than Tony Khan? Nick Khan. Maybe. I mean, does Nick, does Nick Khan see that's when we start won. getting cute with the Hall of Fame where people talk about, oh, Nick Khan should be. And he got them a, a billion dollar deal. Who else has gotten a billion dollar deal in wrestling? It has to be Nick Khan. I mean, if, if you're going to put Ted Turner, if you're going to put Ted Turner, Ted on Turner ballot, should not be in the why for would that you? reason. For, I'm okay. not a Ted Turner voter. That's consistent. But fair enough. At least, <laughs> Neither am I. But I see the I, but I think Ted Turner, I see a little bit more in the sense of there's there's clear evidence where Ted Turner and people who are advocates of Ted Turner will say that. Look, wrestling would have would have died on 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 cable outside of WWF if it wasn't for Ted Turner having a soft spot for pro wrestling, um, which is mm-hmm. true. Um, as opposed to Nick Khan is better at negotiating television deals than his predecessor was, but WWE would still be a hugely profitable company whether or not Nick Khan was ever brought into the company or not. They're more profitable now because of Nick Khan. I think that's pretty safe to assume. Mm-hmm. But um, I personally think you have to be like in the wrestling business. Um, to 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 go into pro wrestling hall. Are you suggesting? Are you suggesting Nick Khan's not in the wrestling business? He is to a degree, but he's not like Nick Khan's. Uh, he happens to be working. He would in, probably tell you he's in the media business. Yeah, he and he happens to be working in the pro wrestling field. At he's the definitely moment. in the wrestling business. But to me, he's not like even if I, I suppose. Let's say you know his employment agreement is only five years. He may leave WWE after five years. And maybe as a Hall of Fame candidate, you say, well, five years is just not long enough. I just think you have to be hands-on with the wrestling product itself. Like, I don't want to talk. That's why I'm not a big fan of Ted Turner. Like, if Ted Turner, why why can't Bonnie Hammer be in the Hall of Fame if Ted Turner's not in the Hall of Fame? Who's who's gone wrestling? We agree on that, though. But Bonnie Hammer doesn't work for a wrestling company. Well, yeah, neither did. Yeah, for sure. But was she in the wrestling business? She picked. Not really. She was a She worked with She advocated and helped pro wrestling make hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, but that's, that's more like the Ted Turner case. That's not the Nick Khan case. Right. But I'm talking about it's kind of like – to me, it's like these people are in a separate category of like contributions to pro wrestling. You want to put Nick Khan with Bonnie Hammer and Ted Turner? I think that none of those people are defined by pro wrestling in their professional careers. But the obvious difference is Nick Khan is an executive for a wrestling company. Correct. Okay. Do we have anything more to add about AEW? Uh, not at the moment. I have another, I have another thing I'll Until- bring up that – 
we could talk about uh, some other stuff before, but I have kind of a question related to this, but it was, it was better for like an end of the end of the day discussion as opposed okay. to right now. Okay. We, we do have a super chat from RT machine who says, do you, do you, I think, think it would be smart for NBC to keep the, the raw rights and put raw on NBC, not USA. It's, it's hard to say without, you know, knowing the books of like, is, is that going to make NBC more profitable to put raw on NBC? What airs on Monday nights on NBC right now? Can anyone a- answer that real quick? Um, NBC TV schedule. I mean, the voice, the voice that might be on Tuesday nights, Monday, Monday, May 15th, uh, the voice, you're right. And then at 10, that's my jam, whatever that is. I believe that's a Um, uh, music guessing game show kind of thing. I doubt that the voice and whatever comes on after the voice is a better strategy than raw. Um, do you, how many people watch the voice? Isn't that like a really big show? I think so. We could look that up. Um, but I mean, I, I understand the, the argument of like, Hey, look, Fox and SmackDown has been pretty good for WWE, but I, I, I think there's, you know, what was on, um, Fox on Friday before SmackDown, like Hell's Kitchen or something like that. That's probably not at nearly the, the, the ratings draw that the voices, the voice on Monday, May 8th did 5.47 million viewers. It did a 0.81 in the demo. I guess you could think about it in, in terms of this, if raw, which does what a 0.5 in the demo, what did it do on this May 8th? It did five, four, five, Oh, five, Oh. So it did just over a five Oh on cable beyond broadcast. It would do better. Would it do a 0.8 in the demo? Not sure. That's at least a gamble. I see how it makes sense, but when you have, un- unless the voice is going to end for some reason, or there's some other night you want to argue that it would fit on. I don't know. Maybe not. What do you what think? If they combined the two shows and it was like half voice, half combined. Back, not not enough. I mean, I mean, I think the Miz has proved uh, this past WrestleMania that wrestling should be adapted in, into musical theater. So I think there's there's something there. There's a pilot. Would uh, would NBC? Would NBC be hesitant to put pro wrestling on its flagship network? Yes. You think Brian so? Roberts probably not a big wrestling fan too, right? And I think that might come into play. Like it's okay to have it on USA on a, on a cable network, and I mean part of the value is that basically the USA network is the WWE network as far as in terms of what is keeping that cable station afloat. Um, and one of the reasons that NBC has been so aggressive in bidding for. Um, you know, to retain Raw's rights is because that cable station really needs Raw. Uh, And it's possible. There's there's some Premier League. There's some NASCAR. Right. They benefited from being folded into from NBC Sports going bye-bye. So there's some live sports that stepped into the void. But as far as like original programming that USA used to have that people would talk about, that seems pretty non-existent at this point. Okay. Um... So we will, again, if you want to uh, throw in a super chat, we will respond to your question or comment. Um, just briefly, we'll talk about some of the things that are on the Patreon. Bad Bunny, barbers everywhere are pleased to know that Bad Bunny dominated the W shop list, according to our analysis. Was your beard barber talking about this? Because mine was. As you can see, I'm clearly someone who goes to the beard barber well, a lot. <laughs> well, I am my own beard barber, and I was definitely talking about this. So, yes. Um, 
We've also got uh, AEW Key Performance Indicators, an, an adaptation of the WWE key, key Performance Indicators that you can find at corporate.w.com. This is to accompany an upcoming episode of Josh Nation's Punch-Out that I recorded uh, the other day that should be coming uh, on, on the F4W website soon. Um, also have been putting news updates onto these. This is this is a, a big transition in the world of WrestleMania's Patreon where I'm, I'm now starting to put news, transform these TV ratings in – uh, reports into something more than TV ratings reports. So they will still be TV ratings reports, but with some news, um, often news that has not been reported elsewhere. Not that I'm get, getting this news from like inside sources, but this, this past week, uh, it just so happened that there were like four legal stories that I don't think anybody had, had reported on at that point. Um, I will have some W news that will be exclusive news coming this week, I expect. So you can find that and more at patreon.com. Slash Russellnomics. Uh, we also had we talked to Richard Deitch this past week, which is a great conversation um, with John Pollock and I, uh, talking about, a lot about wrestling media, um, getting rave reviews. I've heard in my corners yes. of the internet. Have you had a chance to, to listen to listen it? I did listen to the podcast. Um, did you? Okay. I, I, we, we, when we were done recording, I told John Pollock, "Well, I hope Jesse Collins will be satisfied with that." Oh, I was. It was all done to impress me. Um, that's okay. I do things to impress you too. Um, Good. But I, I was getting uh, from my corners of the internet, Brandon. I was I was hearing all about this interview you guys did. So really, yeah, I had to. Uh, really? Okay. I, had, I first thing I did when I got in my car to drive home from work was was put it on so I could listen to it while I sat in traffic for forty five minutes. Yeah, he, he had a, a. I mean, I didn't expect to get into wrestling media as much as we did. I expected it to be more of a conversation about, uh, you know sports rights and how WWE and AEW would fit into that. Yes. But, I mean, he um, talked a lot about like the aggregators in pro wrestling and how yeah. they're different than aggregation yes. for, for other sports. He talked, you know, about the press conferences and things like that. Uh, he definitely, he, he's definitely someone that's pretty observant of this stuff. Yeah. And he's a big, serious wrestling fan too. Uh, he's, he's, he's not uh, helicoptering in. Yeah. As one might say. Um, but that's on, on the free feed on the wrestling radio feed and the post wrestling feed and on both of our YouTube channels as well. So you can check that out if you haven't already. Um, this coming week, again, I said Monday, tomorrow, as we speak here today, Fox is up front, NBCU's up front. And then on Wednesday is the, the much anticipated WBD up front. We will be talking to somebody who's going to be at the upfronts, uh, later in the week, uh, with, with John Pollock and I, so look for that. Um, what now? We know that WrestleMania, according to the Tennessee Titans CEO, am I saying this? Do you know this guy's name? Burke Nihil? Nihil? I'm not, yeah, I've never heard his name really pronounced before. Anyway, he's the, tit- he's the Titans president and CEO. He uh, appeared on local radio in Nashville and said, uh, WWE has committed to WrestleMania, not in 2025, not in 2026, in 2027, because they're building a new stadium in Nashville for the Titans. And according to him, they have WrestleMania in Nashville in 2027. So we know Philadelphia is next year, and there's speculation whether 2025 could be Minnesota. Uh, there was talk at a at a at a, um, at a political meeting that Orlando might put a bit in. Uh, we don't know where 2025 is going to be, though. We don't don't know where 2026 is going to be, but he knows that WrestleMania is going to happen in Nashville in 2027. So, not has not been confirmed by WWE. Right? There's been no follow up to. Claim true, by yes. um, true. The Titans president. I mean, it would be strange to announce 2027 before 25 and 26, but it would. It's also not super shocking. They had SummerSlam uh, 
This would be at their current slash old stadium um, last year. So there's already kind of a relationship with yes. WWE running major show with the Tennessee Titans ownership group. So Nashville, they've never done WrestleMania before there. Um, it is a growing tourist city. Um, weather-wise, should probably check out with um, running WrestleMania that time of year in Tennessee. So it wouldn't be a, a super surprising place. I do wonder about them doing it in a place they've never done it before. They've been pretty um, stagnant on where they've held WrestleMania over the last like 10 or 15 years. It feels like it's they'd like to go to a lot of the same spots for the most part. Um yeah, I mean, L.A. was the first time WrestleMania, although it's you know the second biggest market in the country. But they've had WrestleMania in L.A. like a bunch of times. Have they? Yeah, WrestleMania, the Slaughter versus Warrior. Seven. Hogan. Okay. Then they were there at yeah, Wrestle- the Anaheim WrestleMania, which is not which is the L.A. True. market. Then there's WrestleMania 21, which they had at the Staples Center. All right, let me rephrase. They have not done a, a, a WrestleMania. Wasn't part of WrestleMania the stadium? Wasn't part of WrestleMania two also in L.A.? I think you're right. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> But since the stadium era, starting in like 2007 or so, they had not done one in L.A. Right. Um, they were going to do it at the Rose Bowl in, uh, for WrestleMania uh, 7, but they couldn't because of terrorist threats. Because Sergeant Slaughter was Supposedly. getting a Dominic Mysterio-level heat, so they had to – they were worried about safety. Yes, of course. Um, but yeah, they, they, we haven't explained They it. like Arlington, Texas. They like New Orleans. Um, they've done yes. New York a couple Orlando, of times. Orlando, New York, New Jersey. Um, and, and we know like it's going to come, it's, it's a bidding process now. So it's going to be who can boo them, you know, who can give them the best deal to run there. Um, it's, it sounds like the Titans are very invested in it, but we'll see. Okay. So, um, Endeavor and WWE are merging as we know. And, uh, this Friday, I thought my week was all done. Got home five o'clock stock market was closed. W- walked up to my third floor apartment and, then I saw the, the email alert. I saw, oh my God, it's another, it's another corporate.wd.com email alert. It's pro- probably just, uh, you know, some, uh, executive ownership filing. It's not a big deal. Much to the contrary. I click on this link. It opens up a PDF that is 550 pages, 550 pages. It is a prospectus, an S1, if you will, for the to be merged, to be named company. No, I don't think that new whale company is going to be the name, which I think we already knew. I saw some people saying, this is the, the temporary new name. That's, this is just the, the placeholder name, I think. Um, but the prospectus for the merged company. Um, and we got some, uh, some, some interesting information. I mean, the, the, the biggest thing, and I have now skimmed through it all. I have at least scrolled through all of it. And we get, most interestingly, that I found, um, is there's a narrative, basically, about how this transaction process went um i guess before we get into that we can can mention they, they didn't just drop a 550 page pdf they also dropped some other stuff too including the the disclosure that uh vince mcmahon basically settled a lawsuit um which we have here somewhere anyway i guess i will talk about it now is it in here uh vince mcmahon settled a lawsuit and paid 1.65 million dollars in attorney's fees for a, a shareholder class action lawsuit because he you know, a- alleging that he breached his fiduciary duties by, through written consent, uh, changing the bylaws to force his way back into the company. So that that has cost him $1.6 million. I hope he can afford it, and, and I hope that his um, $3.4 million worth of dividends that he gets every quarter uh, can help him pay for that. So so that did cost him something. Um, basically, the, the, the lawsuit was rendered moot because... Once that lawsuit was filed, he immediately repealed the bylaws that allowed him to 
to return to the company. That didn't undo his return to the company, though. He only needed um, it once. So he, he, could, did. he could afford to, to burn the bridge. Right, right. So it did cost, you could say, it did cost Vince McMahon an admission fee of $1.65 million to, to force his way back into the company. Notwithstanding the uh, the investigation costs that he has had to cover for the company. Um, but anyway, I did jump ahead here. Um, according to WE, well, according to this disclosure... That's, I guess, coming from both WB and Endeavor. Um, over 60 potential counterparties. By the way, our, 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 our counterparty, Chris Gullo, I forgot to mention, uh, he is he is uh, like, like a good son spending the day with his mother here on Mother's Day. Um, but over 60 potential counterparties, including strategic companies, financial sponsors, family offices, and yes, sovereign wealth funds, uh, they, they contacted or were contacted. Uh, about this transaction uh 60 now however between february 6th and march 21st they made a confidentiality agreements with 20 potential counterparties so i don't know it sounds like there were 60 parties that made contact about this there were 20 that actually went so far as to have to make confidentiality confidentiality agreements with wwe to explore the possibility of some sort of transaction um i think it's important to note here that we're not just talking about 20 companies, but there is a, there's a lot of what they refer to as financial sponsors here. So I take these to be possibly private equity funds and things of that nature that would help potential counterparties make an acquisition, basically who would take on the financing for, for such a transaction. Um, I guess we can, I, I've, I've detailed the, the timeline on WrestleNomics.com and on my Twitter if you want to take a look. It does look like, though, that, um, if do we have it in here, that Liberty Media is probably one of these strategic uh, parties because they, they disclose that at, at a certain point, uh, in, and I think we have it here highlighted in yellow, right? Where is it? On March 26th, a, a party that is only referred to here, as strategic party one. So their identity is not disclosed. Endeavor's identity is, is clearly disclosed where they are involved in this timeline. But strategic party one, uh, who was, you know, clearly in, in, in discussions to possibly acquire uh, WWE, they were provided tickets to a WWE event. So not a, not a TV event, not a pay-per-view, but a house show that was in Denver on the night of March 26th. So I think, I think that's conspicuous and that it's not like they were being brought to WrestleMania or they were being you know brought to some really big production, but that a house show. So that, that tells me that maybe they weren't, they, they were already in the area, already in the area, right? They weren't probably weren't traveling to go see a house show in Denver. So maybe they were in the area and who might be in the area in Denver? Well, Liberty Media is headquartered in Inglewood not California, but Englewood, Colorado, which is just outside of Denver. So that would be consistent with, I don't know if there were reports, were there reports that Liberty Media was looking into it? Um, but we could say that adds up, that I've, you know, I've, I've heard that there were, that Liberty Media was interested huh. and was exploring it. Are we sure it wasn't Raj Giri? You never know. I mean, he did, he, he has run a number of very successful websites, so you never know. Um, but most interestingly here, I would say, is that in, in this timeline, we, it's, it's disclosed that Endeavor comes to WWE and says, you know, pretty early in this process, says, okay, what if we merge? And it's not clear if they're, if they're offering UFC to merge at this point and what, what the other conditions would be. But they give them a proposal to say, hey, WWE, how about we merge and you get 46% 
of this merged company, we get 57% of this merged company. Endeavor is a bigger company than WWE. UFC is bigger than UFC, or UFC is bigger than WWE. So that kind of makes sense. We say 57, 43. You get 43. How does that sound? WWE comes back and says, how about 49 for us? 40, uh, how about 49 for us? 51 for you. And Endeavor responds to that and says, well, okay, we'll accept your 49, 51, but only if Vince McMahon stays for life is essentially the conversation that you, you, could, you, could, you could almost paraphrase it as, you know, Ari Emanuel saying, how about we merge 43, 49? Vince says, no, make it 49, 51. And then Ari says, okay, but you have to stay until you die or until you're, you're incapacitated or you resign. Um, and, and Vince basically says, well, all right, if you insist, it's a deal. So we don't believe that this it, is what it is. So we don't believe it. It couldn't have gone the other way in the sense of Vince would was willing to give them majority control over the company as long as they gave him some sort of insulation to make sure that he'd still have a level of authority within his own company. There's certainly you know belief for me that Vince would want to stay. Right. And, and but the, 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 the narrative that's being told to us is that our yes. area was like, Vince, you got to stay. As a, and this is consistent with what he said in that CNBC interview. Right. That's right? why I said the Where, narrative that's being sold is the idea. Instead of Vince being like, I have to stay on and this is the deal that needs to happen right. if you want me to stick around. Um, or if you want it to happen, I have to be in charge. And But it's much more pleasant to make it seem like Ari is really believing in Vince and that you know he believes only Vince can run this and he has to be part of the company. And he'll do whatever Vince wants as long as Vince is uh, willing to work with him. Um which is maybe true to an extent, but I think it'd be very naive to think that Vince went into negotiations uh, for the merger or sale of his company without one of the most prominent reasons for him doing that being that he wanted to ensure that he would continue to have control and authority over WWE. I would say stretching the truth of an SEC filing would be a very high risk thing to do. However, I, I mean, it's, it's conspicuous that this narrative certainly protects them from shareholder class action. Mm -hmm. What you can't say now is, as, a, as a shareholder filing a lawsuit, if you assume this is the truth, you can't say, well, look, Vince, you could have made a better deal if you weren't so damn insistent on staying with the company. No. Yeah. It was not Vince who insisted on staying. It was the counterparty who insisted on saying, staying who said it's part of our thesis to, to this company being really successful that Vince has to stay. He has to have a now, contract for life. I, I, and and there's a, a lot of quote tweets on this portion of the of the tweet thread that I did about how well, he's staying for life. He's never going to leave. Well, I, I, I don't know that he couldn't still be fired for cause, um, but he can, you know, if if there's no cause, then perhaps he can stay for as long as he wants. Um, now, do we believe that Ari Emanuel, do we believe this on its face, that Ari Emanuel observed the situation and said, the only way that I can make this deal work and make this resulting company really successful is if Vince McMahon is the executive chair, because that's how key and how important he is to this company, despite the fact that this company operated with improving business results for, this, for the five or six months while he was gone. Right. I believe Ari Manuel believes yeah. that. Ari could see, oh, things are going well with Paul Levesque, you know, in the head of creative role, things are going well with Nick Khan as the president and CEO. So um, why do we need to have Vince back? It would seem... Uh, anti this, but I, I don't know. I don't know what those conversations were like between Vince and, and Ari and other WWE executives, Nick Khan 
and Ari, if they, if any of them went to bat for Vince and said, Ari, you need to have this guy back. Um, I don't know how, you know, Ari Emanuel's knowledge of WWE and his knowledge of the creative process. And if he would see, understand that Vince might be a hindrance, uh, to the creative process uh, in the company. I, I don't know. Um, but I would say on its face, it would seem unlikely that Ari would be so insistent on Vince sticking around, given the success the company had displayed during the period of time Vince was not with the company. My other plausible explanation that I could see was maybe getting into a little bit of 4D chess, but certainly Ari just saw that Vince forced his way back into the company. He was in essence, an activist shareholder who had enough control certainly to do what he did. Now, it's not disclosed here what the agreement would have been in the alternative in terms of if if we ended up with a merged UFC and WWE that did not include an agreement that Vince would stay with the company, the question that I would want to know in the alternative is that what what are Vince's voting rights in that scenario? Or was Vince staying with the company part of or did it influence in any way the result that we have now where it's going to be one class of shares. Vince is not going to have controlling voting power like he like he has now and like he has since this company has been public. Um, but maybe, you know, Ari observed that it's safer for me to have him inside and to not have him wreaking havoc on the outside. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty plausible. Also a very plausible situation. Um, let's get Vince squared away so we don't have to worry about him, basically, um, and give him what he wants. And I mean, the public message is that Vince is, he's got some kind of, he has some creative influence, but still Paul Levesque is the main creative mind in WWE. And, um, I don't know how true that is. I know Dave Meltzer has said that it's back to what it was like before. So, um, And I mean... TV ratings for, for SmackDown were up from the pretty low rating that they did the week before, still going at NBA playoffs. Um, I'm talking about the overnight the ratings. The, the, um, yes, yes for, for SmackDown on Friday from, night. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess we're still waiting for him to kind of settle into a post-WrestleMania number. Um, seems like they might be sitting around like a little over uh, 0.50 in the key demo uh, for May and June at least. Um they did have, you know, the, 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 was it, what even is the new title called? The World Heavyweight Championship? The World Title. I don't know. Like, the, the, the WWE con- the Consolation yes, Prize. The, the, the Cuck Belt, as I've heard it's called. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, the third World Title, they did have the title tournaments on matches on both Raw and SmackDown, um, which might have helped the rating a little bit. It's, it's matches that were important that had big stars wrestling in them. So uh, uh, some other news that we learned from this disclosure is we got some actual financial data about UFC um, and some projections about what WWE believes WWE and UFC uh, will will generate in terms of financial results for years to come. Um, I don't know if this stuff is super interesting to say in audio, but we do have you know almost eight hundred million dollars in media rights. This is for UFC in twenty twenty. Two, uh, and it's going three years back. So in, a, anyway, and I think we kind of knew this based on some slides that were published right after the announcement of the merger, but that um, UFC in 2022 made $1.1 billion in revenue. So that's a little bit under what WWE made. 
but UFC is more profitable, uh, as we can see here, net income of $389 million. So that's, I believe, W reported around $200 million in net revenue, something like that. And anyway, it's certainly less than the profitability of UFC. Um, and these are their financial expectations, which is we never get anything that looks this deeply into the future from WWE. What we get from WWE is usually like, well, next quarter or for the full year of 2023, we expect, you know, this level of adjusted WEBDA in our, in our non-GAAP profit metrics. Um, but we do see what, what is WWE think they're going to make in this year of 2023 and for the rest of the year. They think they're going to make $615 million for the, for the second half of the year. But for 2024, they think they're going to make $1.36, let's call it, billion dollars 2025 they think they're going to make 1.447 billion dollars going all the way to 2027 where they think they're going to make 1.79 billion dollars and i guess that's in the scenario that they don't merge i would think um the financial results i suppose will be different because they'll be costing well the revenue i suppose will be i guess could be better because Perhaps there are ways in which UFC and W could be paired together, both in terms of live events and in terms of certain media sales. Um, but anyway, uh, and, and they believe that for you know next year, $1.369 billion for UFC. Anyway, the, the rest of the, of the numbers are there. If you're interested in, in, in looking at them, uh, they're in the slides. So I think that that's almost all I have, except for that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are going to Saudi Arabia. Um, Sami Zayn, for the first time since the $100 million per year deal, Era. He was he did go to, to Saudi Arabia in the before this 2018 deal uh, for some of the smaller house shows that they did. But Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens has been going lately either. He did go to some of the early shows in this deal, but he has not been going lately. Uh, he will be going, though, to face the tribal chief, Roman Reigns and Sol Sokoa, uh, on May 27th in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia at Night of Champions. So uh, I don't know if that's related to the recent improvement, right, of diplomatic relations between Syria and Saudi Arabia. I don't know if that comes into play at all here. It seems to be an un unusual coincidence. Yeah. Isn't yeah. Marines well, going to... He's just a big enough star that they, they you know, came to some agreement here. Isn't Roman Reigns going to... Isn't this like the day he hits 1,000 days as champion? I believe that was discussed like leading up to WrestleMania, which is if he wins at WrestleMania, his 1,000th day of champion would be um, with one of the titles, right? Yeah, with one of the, but as his 1,000th day as a world champion would be the day of this event, which I don't understand why he wouldn't defend the title on that. If you're going to, if you want the 1,000 days to actually mean something, why would not build a match leading up to him? If he defends the title, he'll officially be at 1,000 days as champion. Um, Seems like a, a missed opportunity there, but I think they're going for Bruno's record at this point. So, yes. So there's that. And just one more thing to add here is that in our WrestleMics draft, I did run the numbers again, and we do have this 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 script is is alive and kicking. So we we are. I don't have to uh, do surgery on, on our on our uh, script here. We do have uh, numbers moving apparently in accordance to match results where. Um, John Moxley's number has improved. I have John Moxley, and I'm still in the lead here because I, I picked people who have higher ELOs to begin with. Um, Jesse did see higher ELO ratings from Athena and from Bianca Belair. So that's from Athena must have won some Ring of Honor taping match or something, and Bianca Belair won the backlash match against EO Sky. And Orange Cassidy, who belongs to Gullo, did defeat Daniel Garcia on Wednesday, and his rating improved slightly. 
I need so there's that. I need Nick Aldis to start wrestling. Yes. You got that big big bet on Nick Aldis with a sub sixteen hundred ELO. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens with uh, the rest of the year for him. Uh anything else? For the ELO or just in general? In general. So to get back to AEW, I was thinking about this the other day. Let's hypothetically let's say that AEW signs a, a one billion dollar deal for five years, they're profitable, whatever that number may be. They sent a very, very good deal for them that ensures all of us that AEW is going to be around for a long period of time. Do you think that changes the way people discuss AEW um, to a degree where I feel like a lot of the discussion around AEW's product is based around the idea of they need to find ways to grow their business because they need to become bigger and bigger and more successful if they want to make it in pro wrestling. Um, and they've got to do, or they've got to do something big to stop whatever business slide that they might currently in, like a rating slump, um, because Warner Bros. Discovery is not happy with that. But let's, if they were to sign this big deal that gives them a new level of security uh, and firm establishment within the pro wrestling sphere, do we think that has a tangible effect on the way people focus on AEW's business metrics? Um, do you think they become more like WWE in the sense of I think the general sense in WWE is we're ambivalent about a lot of creative decisions or ideas for things because ultimately that money is coming in guaranteed. And it doesn't really matter um, if their booking is this or that because ultimately that money is coming in no matter what. And does AEW's position within pro wrestling change once they get this level of security? And does that change the way people react and talk about AEW? Um, maybe not as immediate in uh, reacting to a bad dynamite or a pay-per-view that fell feels flat. Um, do you think we eventually see like a tangible change in the way just we discussed AEW as a company? Because there won't be what I would call the AEW existential crisis. As right. Much, right. Logically. There won't be this um, concern that AEW is going to go away if they don't turn things around. There wouldn't be this incredible focus on they got to bring in this new star. They got to sign this star. They got to bring this, you know, Goldberg in to, to, to pop a rating. And they need to do this and that to impress Warner Brothers Discovery or anything like that. Do you think I'm thinking like can AEW become more can, can our focus on AEW's uh, as a company focus more, I guess, on the actual product as opposed to wondering how they can grow their business constantly, which seems to be a lot of how AWC. What's the difference between those two things? So focusing on the product and wondering how the business can, can develop. Like, aren't those the same things? They are to an extent, but I think of the idea is a lot of the arguments you see in regards to AW are not necessarily based around the idea of, I think this would be good, or I think this would be bad. A lot of it is based around, they need to do this to attract the casual fan. They can't do this because is- the casual fan will be turned away. This idea that AW is in this fledgling state and needs to do all of these things to make sure that they are, are grow and become big and can survive on their own. But AW signs this deal Will we see less discussions based around those aspects? Of the are, business? are you saying that, that that this deal should validate the creative philosophy that has been criticized for the last four years or so? I think that's one way to phrase what I'm saying. I w- I, I think you're hitting your. I think you capture a lot of it in that statement, but I think it's, it's more of on the focus of not validating what they've already done, but just from a week to week, how are we going to analyze what they're doing on dynamite or what they do on collision or what they're building up for the pay-per-view focus more on the 
quality of the product and what we're actually seeing on screen as opposed to looking at it from a bigger picture perspective where we're looking at, is this going to draw? Is this going to pop a rating? Can they main event a pay-per-view with this wrestler on top, even if it doesn't do that well? Which is kind of the way people... I think... Which is kind of the way people talk about WWE, right? WWE... I think the discourse that you're talking about is largely driven by emotion with a semblance of logical cover story. And I think the biggest piece that will keep things more like the way they are now is you've still got the goalpost of whatever WWE is doing out there. And AEW is closer than anybody's ever been since WCW. Right. So we're, And so it could still be held to that. Right. And the, uh, yeah. And I'm focusing, there's always going to be um, like trolls and, and grifters or whoever you want to describe people who are always going to be, who have made, AEW pessimism, uh, a cottage industry for themselves. Um, and those people cannot be helped and those people cannot be saved. But <laughs> I'm talking about from like people who aren't doing it in bad faith, I guess. And I'm look, focusing more on people who are concerned that AEW might not yes. be around for the long haul. And if this, oh, if these deals kind of confirm. Those people beyond help. They, I mean, they, I'm, we should, I'm not going to focus on what they're going to say because they're not uh, people who are operating in good faith. I'm thinking more of your regular fan who likes AEW and wants to see it succeed, but is hung up mm-hmm. on fear that it might go away the same way WCW did. And does the new deal confirming that AEW has this new level of security ease that kind of anxiety and allows them in the discussions that they have to focus more on personal taste within the product and what they really want to see or and enjoy and less of a focus on, oh man, I'm, I'm worried that this rating is going to be bad or, oh, I'm worried that this pay-per-view isn't going to do that well because they're pushing someone on this main event program or things like that. Because I do feel like AEW is held to a different standard than WWE when it comes to evaluating individual things that it's going to do and how it impacts their drawing power. Where in WWE, because of the guaranteed um, money that comes in from WWE and because of the long-standing established success that WWE has as a brand, people are less concerned about um, business uh, from a, like a week-to-week standpoint. I think at the risk of not answering your question, I think almost all business analysis that I see and that I assume exists is largely a conflation of that person's personal taste, which just happens in their view coincidentally, by sheer luck, to be the right strategy for the for business. So I think there's, I guess in my view, among this conversation that, I, that you're referring to, and I, I think there's just a, a tremendous lack of, of, of pulling those two things apart, that that's just totally not examined and, and, and internalized by the speakers or writers who, who are communicating. Like, I don't think that anybody really identifies properly almost anybody identifies properly that what, what what they're what they're really talking about is what they would prefer uh personally in their what would what would make them enjoy wrestling more as a viewer uh as as opposed to what's really going to make the, the business better than it than it is otherwise um i don't think anybody's really having worthwhile conversations around that or a lot of people aren't uh so i just don't think it it gets much more sophisticated than that right, in there's... almost all cases there's a good tweet, I think, from P.W. Loss, who said that the casual fan to wrestling fan to wrestling pundits is me is like it's me um, 
is like the Midwestern factory worker to political speeches in the sense of you can frame whatever the casual fan wants happens to often coincide with whatever the speaker thinks is right in pro wrestling. So if you want to attract the casual fan, you need to do this thing. Um, and someone else can say, well, if you want to attract the casual fan, you want to, you have to do this thing. And so often those two things are conflicting with one another. Um, and I think the casual fan is just me. It's what I want. I, I, what what right. I want just happens to be what the casual right. fan wants. People use the casual fan as the silent majority that agrees with them when they're arguing with something. Um, just the way, just like the way we'll, politicians use the Midwestern factory worker as some sort of monolithic block that always agrees with my policies or my preferred candidate's policies. Um, but will there be less existential panic and anxiety around AEW if they get a deal that is as good as is rumored? Mm-hmm. Maybe less, but I think there's still, for a lot of people, people are looking for economic justice still. They're looking for economic justice for Vince McMahon. And, and what that means is another wrestling company to get in there and outdo him, which is more insurmountable than I think people. Yeah, for. I guess. I mean, there definitely are a segment of, of AEW's fan base, right? That wants to see AEW beat WWE. I want to see them make more money than WWE, beat them in the ratings and do that. I don't think that's a lot of people though, realistically. And look, they came close in the demo for you know, right. four weeks or so. And even when, you know what, even when they came close in the demo. They're still WWE is still making fourteen times as much money as, as AEW is or whatever. Like that's the funny thing about it is yeah. people focus on the demo. It's like the, like WWE is still making a lot more money when they're making just as much more money than AEW now as they were doing when AEW was much closer in the demo. Um, but I think at that will hopefully change. I think I think the new deals will hopefully change some of the discussions around AEW so we people can allow themselves to focus more on the product um as a, as as a as a standalone wrestling product as opposed to a company that needs to do certain things or make a broader statement um i, I guess what i'm saying is that in, in most in most people's cases that there just isn't a difference between those two things. Like, like just sitting back and enjoy, which I think is kind of what you're talking about. Just talk about whether or not, I mean, I think you're talking about like an aesthetic analysis versus a business analysis. Right. And you're saying, well, people are analyzing the business and analyzing the business, which, which may be different from their, their aesthetic opinion. And that's because AW's business is, is more so in jeopardy. If we arrive at a state where AW's business is far more secure, can't they now finally, uh, focus on their their aesthetic opinion, and I guess what I'm saying is, I just don't think that those two things are as separate as they might seem. Right. So, which is kind of a pessimistic right. view. So of the idea, yeah, the idea is so that the people who are conflating business analysis are really just talking about their own personal preferences. Um, with, Unwittingly, they're right, honest. With a I mean, thin, with put, a thin give, veneer of the idea that we're talking about business. And saying they just internalized it. And right. They, they shouldn't be putting that, Sammy Guevara in the main event because I don't like Sammy Guevara and he's obviously not going to drop. Do, yeah. do you, do you like Sammy Guevara? Like, that's what I think you need to ask that person. Right. Does, does that just happen to be what you, you think, mm-hmm. what you would prefer? Right. And I think, but I do, I do think a lot of, I think like AEW as a company has been held to an unfair standard in the sense of everything that they do is looked under the microscope of how can they grow their audience? And I think that hopefully maybe that can be removed to a degree once they reach a level of formal financial security, that this new deal might be able to offer. Um, 
and that a the standard that AEW is held towards can be, uh, I guess, fairer in in how people look at the company. And it doesn't have to be this company that's people demand constant growth out of. Um, they don't have to constantly be looking to build new star. Oh, who are going to build? Who's going to star? But is it? But it's still way behind WWE. It's still its ratings are still going to be right. So this is the and if they're ever going to get to that point, right. they got to do. X, and part y, of this Z. is the Monday Night War revivalist, which is like it's got to be it's a war we're battling. We got to beat those guys, which is not Tony Khan's business model um, to an extent. The, the 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 business model of AW is not to beat WWE and put WWE out of business. <laughs> that might be WWE's and, business model towards AEW, but. AW's business model is be successful enough and show people that our product is valuable. And it even we don't have to get WWE's television deals. If we can get just a, a, a small amount of WWE's TV deals, we can be a successful, profitable company. And they're close to it. Like you said, this week is their Super Bowl. We're going to find out if that's true or not. Um, but there are. And I think the. There are a, people a stuck in the past. Here. There are people stuck in the past. Mm-hmm. And even people that should know better. That we'll constantly be talking about. You got Dave Meltzer saying that, you know, it's historically been very difficult to be a distant number two in pro wrestling, which is absolutely true from a historical perspective. But we're not living in the history books. We're living in 2023. And Tony Khan is banking on the concept that even if you are a distant number two, if you can still make a billion dollars on a five-year TV deal, it's not going to be difficult to survive. You're going to thrive. You're going to be the second most profitable, successful wrestling company in the history of the business. Um, and I think there's some people are still caught up in that that outdated Monday Night War mindset that only there can only be one. And so those people are absolutely going to be like, well, they're still far behind WWE's. You know, they're they're they've signed a, a three billion dollar contract. AEW is only making one billion or whatever they end up signing. It's probably even going to be bigger than that. But yeah. and, uh, the, and there's th- these are these are two brands with fan bases behind them that are at war. Um yeah, yeah, like I think I think like the, I, like a, like a percentage of the very online fans. That's true. Yeah, yeah, right. And it's not like I don't think look out in the crowd at a WAW show and and like those are the constituents. But yeah, online, that, yes. So I, I guess like I don't know what I would suggest is people should listen to WrestleNomics Radio and take less seriously what 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 is said elsewhere. I guess. Um, well, it depends on what you want, right? I think a lot of people will use ratings and business analysts as ways to support their argument, whatever argument they're making. Certainly I I've done that plenty of times, but I guess there's a level of sincerity that you have to come across when it comes to that. Some people pick cherry pick numbers and most people don't understand what numbers mean. They don't understand television ratings. They don't understand. They're not going to understand what this TV deal is. Many people are going to, you're going to, no matter what this TV deal is for AEW, you're going to see many, many very bad, incorrect analysis and takes on this TV deal on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And like, I just think, I don't know, I've, I've learned that like very few people in the wrestling space community really understand what's happening in the wrestling business to, to the degree that I would like them to, you know? So it's, I think certain people are really good at talking about the creative side of wrestling and talk and evaluating talent and understanding what's happening on, on the programming. But the business has changed so much over the last, certainly the last 25 years or so. And I, and I think there's a lot of analysis that's still looking at wrestling through, through that lens. Um, 
and the, the content matters to an extent, but it doesn't matter that much as much as sort of these more you know, broader, more overriding factors. Although the content does matter a lot and the, the creative has been what has driven WWE's consumer metrics to improve. And AEW's creative has been good enough to deliver the ratings that they've delivered and to not turn off fans more than they have and maybe good enough to get a $200 million a year deal in the U.S. Uh, not really a unrelated question. Um, we've talked about before the belief that Peacock's growing subscriber base in WWE pay-per-views or PLEs running on Peacock has helped increase WWE's prof- uh, popularity. The access to those pay-per-views have maybe played a role in increasing viewership on Raw and SmackDown, maybe helping out live attendance, maybe helping out merchandise sales. All these other metrics are being aided by the fact that WWE pay-per-view events are now more accessible than ever because they're in 20 million homes. If we see something like AEW's uh, you know, pay-per-view events switching towards being on Max, which has many, many more subscribers than Peacock, wouldn't that be hugely beneficial to AEW in the sense that it may spark some more people to tune into AEW uh, week to week? And- pay-per-views specific, specifically because the pay-per-views – I'm less confident that the pay-per-views are going to end up on Max. But let's say they do. That's four or five a year um, as opposed to in WWE's case, 11 or 12 or 13 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's an important difference that – makes it more of a value to WWE than a max deal is value. Pay-per-views on max would be to AEW. Now that said, I don't think that, I think other stuff, not just maybe including all in on max is what's going to happen, but you might have the library there. You might have next day rights there. And that could be a similar, a more comparable value to PLEs on Peacock to WWE as whatever the Mac, whatever max is going to do for AEW. So I, I think yes. I'm I talking. Think yeah, I'm thinking a scenario where all the five or six pay per views per year are on HBO Max, similar to just like how they're on Peacock, and you would probably get more people I'm, who I'm are dubious that's going to happen. Who have sam- but you probably get more people who have sampled AEW product before. Um, maybe they're WWE fans um, primarily, uh, and they will flip it on because they I, they get it gets good hype. Um, did you see? And the Observer has a number, very interesting, on the number of people who bought AEW Revolution, their most recent pay-per-view, after it aired. Um, I forget the number that Dave had in it, but it might have been like 16% of all buys came after the show ended. Um, Where where was this from? Other than the Observer, what was he sourcing this from? I forget. Probably nothing. So you're dubious of that. If he's not going to describe... What we're in, in, in even in an anonymized way, where this information is from, I have trouble. I this, I don't have it in front of me. I want to say it might have been from the TV cable TV um, providers, pay per view providers. Okay. Um, but the idea of strong word or mouth selling a pay per view um, after the fact, right? The reviews, people the next day, people are talking about the uh, Iron Man match or the talk about the Texas death match. And that is encouraging people to purchase the pay-per-view. Um, it does that help just an AEW pay-per-views are traditionally very well received. Um, and but I, th- I think there is, if, if, if what you're getting at is I think there is something to a show that is really well received driving a lot of late buys. And I believe that is what happened with forbidden door last year. Right. And if we go into a world where those events instead are now, you don't even have to buy them. You just have to turn them on 
to uh, HBO Max if you're or purchased Max now. Uh, if you're a subscriber already to that platform, uh, that will probably drive even more people's interests um, in, in in AEW because now it's again like much like WWE, much very accessible. We have one more super chat from Dalmar who says, "Is Dynamite's median age Di- is Dynamite median age still 52 around 53? Because in recent months it does look like 1849 and non-demo gap has narrowed and getting more balanced." Um, I will see if I can look that up quickly here um, because, I mean, Dynamite ha- is still has the, the lowest median age among the major wrestling shows. If we look at uh, – this is not completely up to date, but if we look at the median age chart here from the uh, – like this, we can still see this is through probably April – that they're still among the younger shows. And Raw has surpassed Rampage here. Can you believe that? Rampage is now older. Raw's gotten Raw. a lot younger. Yeah. So, What can uh, we attribute that to? You, it became a better show, so younger people wanted to watch it more live. Uh, AEW still under 50 last few weeks, to answer your question. And at times, it is over 50, um, which I don't think is out of the realm of it's normal level. If I'm looking at this chart here, well, there are instances still, there are instances like, um, last week's rating, um, where it was a 0.28, which was the same week number as the week prior, but they had like a hundred thousand less viewers. So basically a lot of the viewers that they were burning, their total viewers are down. Um, but the 18 to 49 held relatively steady, which would imply that the median age would get lower. Um, and that yes. has been kind of the case. There's probably a, a slight trend over the last month or so where that's happened. Um, so does that impact? But I don't. To, to, if, if if what Delmar is asking is has the, the median age of Dynamite gotten older? I don't think so. Not of late. It seems like it's flat. It seems to be either just under fifty or just over fifty, and that's what it's been in recent weeks as well. New Japan Pro Wrestling the oldest audience how much can we make of that is that just because access skewer is much older um i i think when i would have to look but i think when when um they've done like the wrestle kingdom shows and stuff like that i think they have done a a younger median age i can scroll and and, and give it a look look back to january see what new japan did yeah it seems very hard to believe that there's anything we can actually drop january 5th January 5th, median age 47, which I think is one of the Wrestle Kingdom episodes. Yeah. Uh, probably the Kenny and, and Osprey. It right? seems unrealistic for us to be able to draw any conclusion from the New Japan number in the sense of – or even the impact. Oh, I'm number. sorry. That was the viewership, 47,000 viewers. My bad. Um, no. So it was 65 that day and then it was 64. Right. But it was 59 on January 19th. Yeah. But I, I guess like – So I don't know. From like a – like a product standpoint it's it's a pretty small sample but the fact that it is so old so consistently it's just not not that important to younger viewers who are probably more so i mean certainly more more likely to be consuming it on new japan world or other sources it is access as a network skewer so old that i think anything with low viewership skews old and tv viewership in general is like 60 right i think I'm trying to think what else is on Access forever. I haven't watched it in a while, but I believe that I, I, so they have the, they still have the big interview with Dan Rather. Is that on Access? I'm sure that speaks yeah. to the, uh, the the demographics of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, 
and they, they they had a lot of like they have a lot of like classic rock documentaries um yes they do music stuff things like that but not new music music from like 50 years okay. ago yes okay anything to plug before we wrap up uh no uh gentlemen's wrestling podcast um you can check it out on um any place you get your podcasts from spotify uh apple pods anything like that um have not had a new episodes since last update um but we'll have a new episodes coming later next week it's probably like friday saturday range um but yeah no that's 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 the only thing okay we will be back later uh in the week on this podcast feed and this youtube channel uh with john pollock and i pro- probably friday so we'll talk to you then see you again on sunday 11 a.m eastern for russell Alex radio thanks for listening